I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Tuesday. The Nets win, and there's just four words to explain it. Domination. Yes, history when it comes to the domination of the Nets and the way not only covering but covering easily. What are their odds to win the title? Almost even money, even money. Aaron Rodgers missing now a mandatory mini camp, and the odds say there's still a big chance he goes back to Green Bay, almost 70% chance based upon the odds. Tonight, the Clippers at Utah starts a series. Conley's out. The line has moved. It was Utah by four. Now it's Utah by three because of Conley. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Yeah, heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. NBA announces the MVP, and it's a guy, I must admit, early in the season when the talk began, I'm like, man, in any competitive contest, Jokic, a guy named Jokic is going to have trouble until they break through. But, you know... Luckily, we have Jonas here to do Giannis's name, last name. But once they break through, it's easier. Well, Jokic in just this season went from, oh, yeah, the guy from Denver with a strange name to the Joker. And no doubt about it, it was a uh, emergence. Emergence, I think, is the way to say it. We won't look at his career the same. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to know more than their bodies. Now, when we have those tough names, he's the pro in L.A., Jonas Knox. We do have an MVP crowned in the NBA. We've also got a surprising result in the Eastern Conference. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? You know, let's build it around the MVP because – but here's what I want to kind of paint the picture, and you can help me paint it because I'm not even sure of all the lines yet. You know, sometimes they have a picture – Paint by numbers. Sometimes you just have a blank sheet of paper. So on one hand, we've got the age, right? So we look at the Clippers, veterans, right? No doubt about it. We look at the Nets, veterans. Otherwise, it feels pretty young, right? So if we if we look at um, Milwaukee, not as young, but Giannis is what, 25, 26? Yeah, he's, I would have to look that up. 26, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. 26, okay. So yeah. he's right on the cusp, but still, I mean, two MVPs, you think he's older, but no, okay. And then we also have, and I think this is a story that is going to emerge tomorrow as it, people pick up on it, is you got Giannis, a Euro, obviously a European player off the really bad performance of the team against the Nets. You got the Joker, European player, 
and then you got the rest of the key players left, American players, and I don't know, I'm guessing you saw this, Jonas, is the idea of, uh, it was Jay Williams on ESPN this morning telling a story in which Kevin Durant, American player, older player, saying that uh, he was chastising. Now, this is a story Jay Williams was telling, chastising Jay Williams. Kevin Durant was saying, uh, don't ever compare me to Giannis. Like saying, I'm so much better than Giannis. Giannis is so much not up to my level. How dare you do that? So that's the story that was told by Jay Williams. And I find it interesting and you follow this stuff very closely, typically. I find it very interesting. You don't see the players fighting against each other, the top guys in the media very much. But it seems like this non-American player, Giannis, is caught in the middle of the – I think it was with Harden too, right? A while last year in which there seems to be a conflict. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just that he's a, a European player or maybe there are some, you know, player because his game still doesn't feel completely polished. Like, I still think there's another level that Giannis can get to because he's not maybe as fluid with the basketball. He's no doubt improved his shooting, um, his ball handling, all of that. But I just wonder if somebody like a Durant, somebody like a James Harden looks at him and goes, yeah, but he can't do it the way that I do it. Like, you watch Durant play and it's so smooth. You watch Harden in his step back and it's so smooth smooth and there is something a little bit kind of, I, I, I don't know what the word would be I, mechanical I guess mm-hmm, when mm-hmm, it comes mm-hmm. to when it comes to Giannis as opposed to those guys but see that's so fat and, and, and that's great context you're providing because my question is this if, I, if I'm just a fan but not a fan I'm an observer that just started enjoying a sport let's say in the last six months and I'm going to say wait a minute Giannis won the MVP twice in the last, you know, four years. And the MVP is the pinnacle. That, that, you know, if you look back through history, whoever won the MVP that year was probably the best player or close to it in the entire league. And I think we'd all agree with that, right? Yeah. So, and you're telling me this guy has room to grow, a reasonable room to grow, not some fantasy, we all got room to grow, but saying, I can just with my eye see that Giannis doesn't have this, this, and this, or just even one thing, he doesn't have this fluidity. Well, how good is the guy then? Meaning, he's he sounds like he might be upwards of the best player of all time if he added one more thing. Because if you're the best player in the league two years in recent years, without that one thing, and that one thing is an important thing, it feels like that that could be the story that, man, imagine if Giannis puts it together. Or the story could be, and the only two possibilities, I think, is that the key players, the LeBrons, the KDs, they think that Giannis got too much credit, that he does have something missing, and that what's missing is so significant. He should have never been MVP, and thus we're going to speak up. And in the playoffs, we see what really the truth is. It feels like there's an undercurrent here. Because, man, if there's a day to talk about this, it's the day that Giannis doesn't win the MVP, but another non-American player does. And it's the day that the, after the Nets dominate, and the four key words here, Joan, is against Giannis. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating circle that's tur- that's closing because, oh, look, Harden's on the Nets, though he sat 
injured, and those KD having a monster game doesn't even have to play in the fourth. What, I mean, how, how do you see that coming together? See, I don't, and I just, I think this is more of a Giannis thing because I'll bet if you talk to a lot of you know American-born players, they all have a ton of respect for Luca. So, like, do you like, think they don't? They don't for Giannis. I just think there's a feeling that he's he's just not as fluid. That he's almost a uh, I don't know if it's a, you know a bodybuilder trying to be a a basketball player. And, and and that being said, he's been fantastic. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, if he does get to another level, you're right. It's it's a level maybe we haven't seen before. But I just think that there is something to. And it's also consider the source. It's Kevin Durant uh, who holds on to every grudge that's ever existed in his career. So of course what? he's going to have a comment about it. Which means perhaps. Perhaps we're getting the truth, right? It's one of those things. It's like so-and-so's drinking tonight. We might get the truth out of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, you're, you're right. Durant is the type to to let this out, to make this a beef. And the beef was, and, and McKenzie caught this, I think was the first one to catch it. So, you know, the idea that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Durant put out this statement w- with no real context. McKenzie, do you have his tweet? Yes, on Twitter, he's, uh, yeah, I have his tweet if you want me to read it. Yeah, read it. Go ahead. Mans will do anything to advance their career in this media S. Wanting to be accepted by an industry that will dispose of you whenever they please. Keep me out, all that corny talk about who's better in legacy and all that dumb blank. I don't even talk like that. Easy money sniper. Okay, so, I mean, one, that has no context to it, right? <laughs> so he's letting that be out. This is Kevin Durant's tweet. Letting it out, be out there to be interpreted. And then, following the media landscape like McKenzie does, he said, oh, look, this feels like he's talking about Williams, who does the morning show uh, on ESPN National on the radio side with uh, two, two other fellows. W- what is that? that that's with, um, is it Keyshawn Johnson? Yeah, Keyshawn and Zubin are the other two. Okay. And um, uh, now, let's go. Let's. Uh, so, we got the idea, and, you know, Jonas is saying mechanical – I would make another point to it. Maybe it's it's coach taught, meaning that if you look at the old basketball books, you know, instructional manuals, you know, I have a, like when I was like eight years old, you know, in the early 80s, there was like a book where it's showing you, OK, this is the way your feet should be on a free throw. This is what you should do in the blocks. Right. And obviously it yeah. was of its time, but it was very much be disciplined. Follow the, the footwork. The coaches are going to tell you this, that, and the other. Put your ball above your head if you get the rebound. Don't bring it down, all that kind of stuff. Well, when you're as good as KD, as good as the best American players, oftentimes you don't play that way, right? You just don't need to. And then you got Giannis coming in, and we had talked about this recently, Jonas, is European basketball is more coach taught. It is more, you can't be out there on your own doing your own thing. You got to do it within a system, Bobby Knight style, even, you know, to go back here in America. And it does feel like the players that are good enough to play their way and still excel, they almost object to that other style because it almost feels like a walk in commentary about what they don't do. Because how great would be a Kevin Durant if he had a few... No, listen, Durant has a lot of fundamental straight, right? And maybe Durant's not a good example of that. Because I think he's a guy that has, um, you know, feels like he's got a European amount of fundamentals, but he also has the fluidity and all that too. But others, I mean, let's be candid. You look at the Joker, and if you're an American player, you can say, that seems like Larry Bird back in the day, 
right? The idea of he's going to hit the open man. He's got the, as opposed to the one-on-one and able to jump out of the gym. It yeah. does feel like a different style game. And though the Joker is really respected, he does seem to play an old school game, just the eye test. It might be something, a similar comp to, you know, Dominique Wilkins was a really good player. But yep. when you think of Dominique Wilkins, you think of a dunker and an athlete. I mean, he was a, he was a really, really good player for his time. But no he was doubt. also playing in the era of Michael Jordan and Bird and all those guys. And he had really good years and the Hawks had some good teams. So maybe Giannis, is, that's more of a similar comp to where he doesn't get looked at as a basketball player. as You know, he gets looked at as more of an athlete playing basketball. Ooh. See, that's interesting. You're coming at it, if you think about it, if I didn't know that you never do this, it's almost like you're attacking my point <laughs> from the other angle. No. no, 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 I know, I know. But it's fascinating because you're saying, okay, Dominique, and for those who aren't uh, who are young, you, you probably human highlight reel, which is a great nickname. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. And But he was uh, – Mackenzie, pull up his stats – I'm telling you, in his prime seven or eight years, now I'm not talking about two years, I'm talking about seven, eight, Dominique averaged like 27 a game. Yeah. He put up some big numbers. Uh, But he was the type never, I don't even think they got the conference finals and with the Hawks. And there was a famous, I think it was 88 maybe, Bird against Dominique. It was an elimination game, and they were trading buckets. It was like a duel in the Old West, and and Bird won it, right? And I would have said Dominique was the athlete that didn't have all the fundamentals, for example. And Giannis would be, hey, he had some physical skill, no doubt, but he's got the fundamentals down. Because you'd agree, the old school complaint against height or um, uh, pickup basketball or, you know, inner city, you know, chain link fence basketball, Rutgers Park or whatever, was what, lack of defense, not enough passing. You know, it wasn't really that, oh, they're playing a ton of fundamentals at Rutgers Park, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and just to go back to the point on uh, Dominique, from 1984 to to 1994, he didn't, he didn't average less than 24 points a game. Yeah, each year, 24 yeah. more points yeah, he for was over awesome. a decade. Yeah. 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 No doubt. And I tell you, you don't hear his name hardly at all. Yeah, at you, all. Yeah. I, I love that. I see. I, I always loved him because he was my favorite dunker of all time. So I always I always look at his career and I go, man, he doesn't he doesn't get recognized by by enough people, I think, for being one of the really, really, really good players of his generation. And, and I think ultimately in the NBA, if you don't win the titles, it does unless unless you are Wilt Chamberlain, though he won two, it's going to be hard to be remembered. And I kind of yeah. like that. You know, I, I kind of like that. And huh. so what's the answer here? There isn't one. The, the, the easy answers, eh, they're the simple ones and, and <laughs> they take two minutes. But I do believe and we're going to keep our eye on this. You've got. In the NBA, as we move into the second round of the playoffs and into it and beyond, you've got the new guard and you've got the old guard. And Jonas, would you say other than the Clippers and the Nets, it's pretty much new guard. I mean, if we're going to look at the Sixers and say Embiid and Simmons are still new guard. Uh, and and maybe, there's, maybe we say there's three levels, right? It's not new middle of the road, you know, new middle of the road and older, because maybe that's the answer, because we do have the emergence of some guys, right? You look at 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to say is um, I think we've got the new guard from a franchise standpoint because we're going to get an NBA champion that's either never won before or hasn't won in a long, long time. And But you've also got some veteran players in new places like a Chris Paul who's with the with the Suns, Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers, obviously the Nets and their big three. So it does feel like you've got some of the usual names that you see in the postseason, but they're in different places. You're making a great point. There's eight teams left. When's the most recent win from any of those eight teams to win a oh title? Oh, God. I, I, I'm, I'm now that, to think. No, this is the pro- talk about a tease that just threw itself <laughs> at us. All right, we got we're going to take our first commercial break, continue this conversation, put a bow on it. But what we will talk about in the midst of that is of these eight teams left, when's the last time one of them won a title? And it's, it looks like, at least I tested it, it's going to be quite a while. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look at the playoff or NBA title drought, rather, of the remaining teams currently in the NBA playoffs. Yes. Think about this. Eight teams left. Jonas, in an afterthought, a passing comment, wisdom poured out. <laughs> it just pure wisdom. We thought, how long has it been? I don't even want to tell you who was president. We're going to get right to it. Great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus. Why? Because of you supporting the show. Keep spreading the word and we'll keep delivering the great, we'll call it good, valuable sports talk. Don't want to say great because I wouldn't. Right? We let others say that. If we're lucky, Joan, it's like I just said about your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> you can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas here in Vegas. Right now on the Strip, 94 degrees. The neon is pumping. So, RJ, we've talked about the teams that are remaining in the NBA playoffs, and we were thinking and discussing how long it's been since one of the remaining teams has actually won an NBA championship. Okay, so I'm going to read down. The eight teams with the title odds currently, and we're going to go reverse Casey Kasem, and I'm going to tell you the last time they won the title. So the favorite right now, the formerly New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, they used to play at Brennan Burn Arena. Oh, wait, okay. (laughs) They are almost even money. I mean, the Nets have stepped up. Think about it. James Harden is certainly a top eight player in the league. Mackenzie, you agree with that, right? Oh, absolutely. Where you got Harden ranked? I have him number seven by value to the point uh, spread. Yeah, there you go. So top seven, top eight player. He's out, and you know what? We don't know how long. What other NBA team in history could have a top eight player on the sidelines? An indeterminate absence coming up. It could be the whole playoffs. Could be. Almost certainly is this series he's going to be out and still be almost an even money favor. Could I mean, could the Bulls during their prime, the prime prime, had Scottie Pippen, who was a top eight player, could he have sat down and they still be almost even money favorites to win a title, Jonas? 
Uh, no. Uh, yeah. No. I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, this Nets team is stacked in a way, and I think as we dig into it, we're going to see as the playoffs progress, we're going to see that this is about how the team got put together beyond the big three. Because the big three have played really well. And when they're on the court, all three, they've been great. But with two of them, they've been really good. But you look at it, if it's Griffin, if you, I mean, as you go up and down the various role players, they've hit home run. You look at the Lakers with Schroeder, Schrader, and it's like, ah, I don't know. And you think about they lost Rondo. You know, all the kind of whinging now about the postmortem on the Lakers is. We're all kind of understanding that AD got hurt, LeBron got hurt, but even with the injuries, if they had the supporting cast strong, they'd probably get through at least Phoenix. Well, the Nets, I think, and I'm going to ask Jonas what he thinks, the Nets hit a home run so far on the supporting cast. What do you think, John? Yeah, no, I think all those guys have stepped up and, and just to see how many different combinations of either Harden out or Harden and Kyrie Irving out or Kevin Durant out for uh, an extended period of time. I think the supporting cast deserves a lot of credit. I also think Steve Nash maybe hasn't gotten some of the credit he for deserves. Sure. For it sure. Not, not been the easiest season or roster to have to coach thus far. We've been saying, and you look at Brad Stevens, these are two different young, dynamic coaches. You know, Steven's now moving to the front office. And I think they're opposites in some ways. Specifically, I don't think Stevens was great. In fact, I think it's almost impossible to say great at managing the gigantic egos in 2021 in the NBA. He's a college coach. And it seems like he – I don't think he's indifferent to the player. I don't think there's any sense of, like, it's my way or the high – I just don't think the players look at him and think he he wasn't one of the best players in the history of basketball. There, there does seem to be with the Doc Rivers, uh, though he wasn't one of the best in history, he you know, played with Dominique, is Doc um, got a ton of respect. Right? And plus, he had, you know, this time around, he won a title with the Celtics as a coach. So um, the idea of who's this guy it seems like he's bigger today in basketball than it's ever been wouldn't you say i mean and and back in the day it was the given the coaches probably were going to have a different perspective they weren't necessarily going to be all-time greats now i think the great players are less open to and look at lebron choosing his coach effectively for the last 10 12 years it feels like a Nash, it's a lot easier for the players to say okay than with a Stevens. Well, yeah, and what's interesting about that is that uh, Doc Rivers always was a guy who would play no matter what. Steve Nash was a guy who was going to gut through injuries no matter what. Like a lot of these guys were known for their toughness, yet they're the ones that seem to be more open-minded to the idea of load management and giving these players a break when they need to be. Now, you could say it's they that understand how if you got a back-to-back and back in the day you want a, a, a um a commercial flight. You're going into Utah, playing at altitude on the second game. Now it's halftime. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. as much as they might have been tough in, in the given circumstances, they understood the given circumstances back then were really bad, meaning it was hard. And then yeah. you imagine you're seven foot or six ten, and you're in commercial. I mean, think about that a second. I don't even know. And, and you're on a four hour <laughs> flight with your knees up. In, I mean, I don't even think that's right. possible. <laughs> but but I mean, what I'm saying is, I don't know what they would have done but it certainly wasn't a private jet back then so i hear you know you make a really interesting point i'm rj bell we're straight out of vegas jonas knox in la where you say 
that, yeah, they did it, Steve Nash. And thus the players look at him, and that, that was my point, and say, yeah, that guy knows what he's talking about. And he was more of a coach's player back then. That's maybe why he's a coach. But yeah. still, the players are okay with that because they know he knows of what he speaks. And that's always been the debate. You know, Howard Cosell, which was a little before my time, but, you know, as I was a kid, I can remember, like really young, is he called it the jockocracy. And that was that that uh, the only jocks could talk about the sport. And before Howard Cosell, that kind of was the case. Think about the Monday Night Football booth, and it was a lot of former players. And then Cosell shows up, and here's a guy with a journalism background, a guy that obviously never played professional sports, and he was the biggest announcer. And since then, we've had, oh, Rush Limbaugh go to the booth, or Dennis uh, Miller go to the booth. And sometimes it's been rejected, sometimes it hasn't, but we're kind of past the point in media that you have to be a professional athlete, thank God, to have an opinion <laughs> that we're past that, Jonas. Both of us, I think it helps. <laughs> but but, but I do think in coaching in the NBA, it feels like it's going the other way because the young coaches that are succeeding, it seems like there's a lot of players in the mix. And Jason Kidd, you know, having one stint already uh, as a head coach, maybe the next one. Yeah, and and especially the on on the front with Steve Nash, it was Kyrie Irving. One of the reports I saw earlier this season that Kyrie Irving elected to he part of the reason that he sat out early in the year is that he was not happy with the hiring of Steve Nash, or that he wasn't that he wasn't talked to about the the move to bring in Steve Nash as the head coach and. And just to see the way that Nash has handled that, he's never really gone public with any of that. He's never made a spectacle of it, never made a stink. He's welcomed, you know, a, a major trade, uh, incorporated James Harden into the into the roster, into the system. I, I look at it similar to a Steve Kerr, to where people can say whatever they want about, well, he's got all this talent on the roster. But if they go on to win a title, I do think it's noteworthy that Steve Nash was able to manage those personalities, which I think maybe at this point with that roster, is more important than the X's and O's stuff. I agree, but I think it's more than that. I think I, I'm going to say your statement and more, and my more would be smart enough to know what he didn't know. Even though one of the smartest players on the court, Nash, in his day, two-time MVP, he said, I don't understand defense maybe at the level of uh, Coach X and obviously offense, D'Antoni, the idea – that almost like the Rams and the boy genius comes in and he says, okay, Wade Phillips, he's going to handle the defense. But then a couple years goes by and they're like, okay, we can handle the defense now. Good luck, Wade. So I love that. You come in, it's going to be overwhelming early, and you say, okay, we're going to give this area over to someone we trust with a ton of experience, and we'll handle this. Then as the couple years go by, I'm guessing Nash is going to take even more ownership of the X's and O's. But it's brilliant. To, if you know your limits, it's absurd to try to go beyond those. Yeah. Um, and it feels like Nash was humble. And he put the players first. I mean, maybe he's, you know, and, and I do agree, Kerr in general fits that mold as a former player. I think the guy that shot the, you know, the, uh, the jumpers from outside, as much as he's a former player, they're, they're looking at him now saying, really? Like, what was the league like back then? Where Nash, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so recent that, you know, those players were, you know, how, how old was 
Kevin Durant when Nash was winning an MVP, right? He was in the league. Yeah. So, so I think the recency is there where they know how good this guy was, and he's got everything else on top of it. So I agree. I think when the story's written on this year, especially if the Nets win it, Nash is not getting enough credit, and he deserves a ton of credit. So the favorite right now, the Nets – Almost even money. They're plus 115 to win the title, not to win the uh, the series. By the way, the Nets, they're still waiting for the first title in the history of the organization. <laughs> All right. Next up, the Jazz. Now, I'll run this real quick, and then we'll see what's trending. Then we'll you know finish up the NBA talk and talk a little Aaron Rodgers, too. So we got the Jazz, the second favorite, plus 375. So think about that. Second favorite. We're waiting on the first Jazz title. Okay. Never. Clippers. Third favorite, five to one. Never had a Clippers title. Phoenix, fourth favorite, seven to one. Never had a Phoenix title. Next up, the 76ers, 14 to one. And beat questions, obviously. The last title, 1983. Moses Malone, Dr. J, Andrew Tony, etc. Mo Cheeks. All right. Next up, Milwaukee Bucks, 14 to 1. So tie with the Sixers. Kareem, I think it was Kareem in 71, not Lou Alcindor. It was 1971. Two teams left. We've got at 25 to 1, the Atlanta Hawks. And it was, check this research out, Jonas. 1958, they won it as St. Louis. <laughs> I think Bob Costas called that game. <laughs> Speaking of Bob Costas, Bernie Fratto from Straight. I, I, we got a text from him on the break. He's listening today. He does the weekend edition, 11 o'clock Pacific, Saturday night. So 11 to midnight, Bernie Fratto. And Mackenzie sits in. Uh, he was telling a story yesterday. He stopped by the studio. And no lie, Jonas, he was talking about Bob Costas, and, and he called him Bob. He goes, yeah. He goes, um, Bob walked in, and I said hi to him. <laughs> and, and, you know, all, all I'm going to say is how, you know, Bernie's cooler than I realize. Because if you're calling Bob Costas Bob, like, they do that with Robert De Niro a lot. Like, if someone's an actor, they'll go, Bob's a good friend, no doubt. You know, but it was kind of like that. And, I, you know, I was name, uh, name dropping a little bit. huh? I, yeah. But it, <laughs> but listen, if, if, if Bob Costas walks in and he's part of the story, I think you got to say that. Right. Yeah. But I don't. I, but calling him Bob, that is a that's a gutsy <laughs> move. That's a gutsy move. And then finally, <laughs> Denver, thirty-five to one, and they've never won it. So one, two, three, four, five of the eight teams left have never. The organizations have never won an NBA title, and the three that did was in nineteen fifty-eight, the Bucks in nineteen seventy-one. And the winner of the most recent title of any of the eight teams, the 76ers, 1983. So that was almost 40 years ago. I mean, talk about a new era, (laughs) Jonas. I mean, wowza. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He is the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. So, sir, what's your name again? (laughs) So, Mr. Dan Beyer, here's the thing I'm going to ask you, and be honest for a second. There's a phrase called commit to the bit. So you did a bit. But in the middle of it, 
you were getting bored. We, we could hear it in your voice. <laughs> so you couldn't even stay no, committed to the bit. I admit it. Here's the great part of it is I had three games written down. And then I'm like, you know what? Just because RJ didn't give me my two seconds, uh, two seconds yesterday, I'm going to make it four games. So I actually had three, and I added Boston College and Michigan State about two minutes ago. You made my point for me, my friend. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Mr. Dan Byer. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right, let's do this. Take our last break. When we come back. We're going to preview. Oh, by the way, uh, Jones, real quick. Should I mention that I had uh, Brooklyn yesterday as an underdog or shouldn't I? Well, I mean, I I don't know if we want to go down that road. Yeah, because I had a best bet at one and everyone. And then the fact I gave Jokic out here to win the MVP. Is it no? Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to. Dan Dan Beyer is also a Milwaukee Bucks fan, so I don't know if we want to go. Well, I mean, he was in the first row in 71 when they won. I mean, (laughs) you should have seen his hairline. I mean, it was beautiful. But I'm not going to mention that. But we might have another pick. At minimum, we're going to have good Vegas previews of the games tonight. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., the NBA playoffs continue later on tonight and actually less than an hour from now at Philadelphia where the 76ers are hosting the Hawks in game two of that series. Atlanta with a one nothing series lead, but it's the Sixers, a six-point favorite on pregame.com. Okay, so this is fascinating. We talk about it all the time, the zigzag in the NBA playoffs. What does it mean? It means when a team zigs wins a game it tends to zag lose the game next does it do it all the time no but history tells us it happens a lot why does it happen it's because the team that lost the prior game they're extra motivated redemption so some of it is effort level some of it is they are willing to change things up because they lost. It's not going to be more of the same. They're going to tweak things and change things. The winning team may be a little fat and happy, may be a little complacent. And you know what? They're going to be keeping their same game approach most of the time because it worked. Why change it? Historically, you see the zig and the zag in the results and the odds. McKenzie, let's look at game one. And I guess the Embiid uncertainty entering game one would affect this more. But just to have a reference point, what was the line in game one, Sixers, same venue in Philadelphia versus game two? The Sixers were a four-point favorite. And now they're six. Okay. Now, I think some of that is more optimism about Embiid. Now, yesterday I said, you know something? I think this could be bad for the Sixers, Embiid seemingly being a little bit more healthy. That seems counterintuitive. My concern is if he, if they, and this is the catch-22, right? Would you rather him be less healthy? No, but I would rather him not play all these games. So the fact that he's healthy enough that he could play, it doesn't change the fact it feels very ginger and, and, and brittle and that the only way the Sixers win a title is if they finish off now what? They have to have 12 more wins because they have none in this series. Does Embiid really win 12 games playing all of them 
on this gimpy foot. I, I'm not sure. Or on a knee, I guess, leg. And But in the short term, it's good for the Sixers that he's playing as well as he did in game one, that he's supposed to play tonight. So, yeah, oh, and, and, uh, in theory, play well tonight. We don't know. But there's no reason to think not. And thus the odds have gone or the betting line has increased for Philadelphia. But you might say if game one is four, Philly by four, and they lose, why would the odds go up? Why would they be more respected? It's cause of motivation. And I think we see that it's also the the, the potential gambler's fallacy where it's like, well, there's no way Philadelphia could go down 0-2. I don't know, Jonas. This Atlanta team has a lot of confidence, I think, oh, yeah. that came from not only the Knicks, but now going in and taking away home court here. Yeah, I, I just think going in, winning those games at Madison Square Garden, hostile environment. Um, you know, they were when they went back to Atlanta, you could tell they were feeling themselves. That crowd was fired up to have their, you know, their teams back based on the treatment of Trey Young early on in that series against the Knicks. And then to see him go into a hostile environment, almost give away a big lead late and still figure out a way to, to come out with the win. Had they lost that game, had they blown that lead, it would not surprise me if the Sixers ran through him the rest of the series, but they ended up winning that game and and they've been really really good on the road so far so i'm not no pick for me on this game i see the reason sixers are a bigger favor but it feels too obvious to me if i had to play it'd be a lean on the hawks Next game, the, the second game tonight is the Clippers at the Jazz. Game one of that series, 10 p.m. Eastern time on TNT, right now on pregame.com. It is Utah, the home team, a three-point favorite. Okay, so this is fascinating because what we got is a home team that's favored by more than the home court. That means, in theory, this team is better. The Jazz are better. Now, if you look at the series price, the series price has Utah as a smaller favorite than they should be because of their home court in the entire series. So what we got here is game one, the odds are telling us that Utah's better. For the series, the odds are telling us the Clippers are better. Why would Utah be better in game one? Because the Clippers have one day of rest after a monumental comeback, emotional, physical, and Utah's rested. The only thing that throws a monkey wrench into it is Mike Conley. Now, Mike Conley's not the most popular player for the Jazz. He's not the best player for the Jazz, but he moves the needle. Conley, before it was announced that he was out, the line was Utah minus four. Now it's minus three. And most of that, if not all of it, is Conley. That said, I'm not going to make this a full best bet. A pizza bet, a pizza bet as we call it, on Utah here. I think the fatigue's a big issue. Utah minus three is the bet. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas as we take a closer look into the struggles of Giannis Antetokounmpo and what the opinion of him is around the NBA. We are Straight Out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show on the iHeartRadio app. Straight Out of Vegas! 